I am your host, Heather Petropoulos, recording live from my home studio in Brooklyn, New York, bringing you the Photo Mixtapes podcast. The shape of things. I don't remember the guts of things anymore. I remember the shape of things. I always look to the movie quoters and the TV quoters in awe at that kind of recall. But I remember the cotton sweater against my skin in the movie theater chair. And I remember you there, your shape warm and familiar in the dark. I don't remember the guts of things anymore. I remember the shape of things. I don't remember what you said first and what I said next. My memories stumble around in the dark. But I do remember what it felt like to be my gut in your kitchen, winds moving south. And I remember you there and how it felt, once familiar, now a stranger in the dark. I don't remember the guts of things anymore. I remember the shape of things. I remember the tastes and smells of things, like yesterday, my craft. I remember the song that played, and the record scratching. I remember the curve of your elbow before recalling anything about your house. I walk around in hallways of flesh. I don't remember the guts of things anymore. I remember the shape of things. And I remember how against them, I felt. I don't remember the guts of things anymore. I remember the shape of things. Hello, my audience, and welcome to the ninth episode of season two, The Shape of Things. This will be an action-packed episode with a spoken word poem, a review of the Oscar-nominated film, The Shape of Water, Oscar picks for some major categories, photography tips for taking group shots for tonight's Oscar parties, or any other gatherings coming up, and a falafel salad recipe. But before all of that, I have a special announcement for you. I'm going to be starting a video component of the podcast. I released about a seven minute introduction to all things photo mix tapes, series and podcast yesterday on my business channel, Heather Petropolis Photography. And I started a photo mix tapes playlist for future installments of this behind the scenes type video content. I look forward to seeing you over there on YouTube. And as always, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at heather at heatherpetropolis.com with feedback, suggestions, and collaboration opportunities. This month's music mix is We're Better Together, Magical Collaborations Mix, and will feature musical collaborations in writing, singing, and artistry for the month of March. Collaboration has been on my mind, both artistically and in real life. Track two, a review of The Shape of Water. Per usual, a review of The Shape of Water across three common and important themes to the Photomix Tapes podcast, cinematography, writing, and soundtrack. And you know the drill, spoilers ahead, so if you haven't seen this film and have any intention to, you will want to pull the car over here and get back on the highway after the review portion. Cinematography. Guillermo del Toro surely knows how to deliver visually. The film is flawlessly executed from a visual standpoint. The sense of time in the small details of the cafe serving pies, the cars and the Cadillac dealership, and the records and record player are simply breathtaking. 
The use of water imagery throughout the film is so striking and subtle and consistent. There is such an attention to detail in this film from a visual standpoint, it would definitely take another viewing to soak in all of its splendor. It was difficult as a visual person not to fantasize about the prop hunting while watching the film. As my friend Tim remarked, everything looked authentic from 1962 Baltimore, but also brand new. I can only imagine the scouting for the perfect props that went on for this film, and I wish I could have been a part of it. The apartment of the lead characters were so specific and otherworldly, as was the office where the creature was being housed. The consistent rain outside matched with the interiors of these spaces, and they were truly new, and it was a never-before-seen world. Writing. So much of this film is so beautifully written. There is a stunner of a closing poem, and I quote, Unable to perceive the shape of you, I find you all around me. Your presence fills my eyes with your love. It humbles my heart, for you are everywhere. The closing poem of the film certainly went into my writing of The Shape of Things, the spoken word poem at the beginning of this episode. I also really like the approach to the opening of the lead's best friend fumbling to the audience about how to tell the story. His character in general is definitely a through-the-audience's-eyes character, and his presence is both funny and grounding. The lead's best colleague at work, played by Octavia Spencer, has consistently funny lines that break up the otherwise fantastical premise. It is hard not to love her in every role she plays, because her very premise makes everything feel like it will be okay. Now I have to offer a really serious criticism here. The scene when the lead brings the captive back from the lab and is going to bed, unable to sleep, and heads back into the bathroom, drops her robe, and is premised to have sex with this sea creature is absolutely ridiculous. I would have completely bought the love affair aspect of this fantasy if it had just stayed that way, a fantasy. I still came out of the film impressed and liking this film a lot, but it did draw a perfect score from an already impressive feat of writing for me. It's almost like Guillermo was the only one with this nagging fantasy, and we were just along for the ride. The emotional affair was enough. The suggestion that she wanted this sea creature more than any other suitor, totally understandable in this life. People kinda suck. But I'm sorry, Guillermo, there is no amount of suspension of disbelief that I could have employed to have not come away from the film without some serious issues at the more than suggested sexual relationship between this sea creature and the otherwise pitch-perfect lead actress in the film. I really could have done without the walk of shame the next day at work with the giggling and blushing lead and Octavia asking her about the night before. I looked over at my friend during the bathroom scene for some consolation and he mouthed, what are we watching? And that was all I needed to see. I am sad that an otherwise poetic and deep and ethereal film felt the need to spoon-feed its most fantastical premise to accept. I would have preferred she slept restlessly and dreamed of the creature a room away in her bathroom. It would have been my same wish had they both been human also. Soundtrack. Though the film doesn't have a soundtrack in the classic sense, it utilizes music placement in such satisfying ways. 
The lead character's neighbor and best friend has impeccable taste in film, and we get the benefit of many different clips of musical production and songs as a result. The music paints such a clear portrait of the time and place, and it is nothing short of sublime when the lead character introduces the captive creature to music on a portable record player, taking records on her long bus ride to work each night in the middle of the night morning. She works the night shift. Overall, I was quite impressed with most elements of this film, and I definitely recommend seeing it. It has enough elements down with its eyes closed to safely win many awards tonight. I would have wished that a pretty major plot point, the relationship between the female lead and the captive creature, was not so obviously spelled out, and rather left a bit more to chance. Since it dominated the entire second half of the film, I am not quite sure, having just seen it this weekend, what kind of emotions or stuff it's bringing up for me, other than I suppose the fantasy was better than the reality, but the reality is what was shown. Maybe I would have preferred more lingering where reality doesn't bite. But in the end, this impressive, poetic, and fantastical feast really does linger in a philosophical and breathless way, and the faults of its choices can be easily forgiven in our dreams. Track 3, Some Oscar Picks I can't claim to be any expert in this arena this year, having only seen about 70% of the offerings, but I can weigh in where I can weigh in. I will split these into our usual categories of interest on Photomix Tapes podcast, cinematography, writing, and music. I am sneaking in some acting into the writing category also. Cinematography. I haven't seen Dunkirk or Blade Runner, both I am sure achievements in this arena. Of what I did see, this will be a tough race. I would love Mudbound to win here because a seldom recognized female is being recognized in this category, and I would truly love to see that history made. It is a solid cinematography job, but nothing spectacular. The work in both Darkest Hour and The Shape of Water were both superb, and I think truly competing for this category. I'm going with The Shape of Water because not only was the cinematography flawless, the time and place drawn here are nothing we've ever seen before. Writing. These are tough. Of the adapted screenplay nominees, I am only intimately familiar with Mudbound, as I am watching Logan in chapters. I've had a lot of deadlines this week and weekend, so I've been a bit crunched for time. I thought Mudbound was superb in its writing, very subtle and compassionate to the characters and premise. I have a feeling, though, based upon how it's lauded and the love of the original material, the Call Me By Your Name will win here. I will go out on a limb here, though, and say, even for some of its clunky faults at the end, I actually hope Get Out wins here because it's nothing that we've ever seen before and actually develops and introduces a new language for what has always been there. I also think it would be especially thrilling for a film about racism in this country to be awarded for its shorthand language of racism amidst an awards show that is known for its lack of inclusion. I still think Billboard actually deserves the award, and it probably will win. I'm a bit non-committal here. We will have to wait and see. I think the toughest fight of the night will be for actress in a leading role. I loved Lady Bird, but I don't think this is Swarcy's award. I think Sally Hawkins and Frances McDormand will have a major fight in this category. Will it go to the best picture? Both of their films are viable for the fight of the night. Or will it split 
Having seen both films, it's really difficult for me to say which one I think deserves it most for their acting, because they were both amazing. But I preferred what Frances was acting about more consistently. I am going with Frances McDormand for taking this award tonight. I am rooting for Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour, but I am actually the least equipped to give an intelligent answer to this one, having only seen Darkest Hour and Get Out. And I don't think the lead actor in Get Out deserves a win for this category, even though the film deserves way more recognition, in my opinion. The other category I feel like I can weigh in on is actor in a supporting role, familiar with three of the five performances. I'm hearing amazing things about The Florida Project and definitely want to see it, but I'm not sure it's all about Willem Dafoe. I liked Woody Harrelson more than I usually do in Billboards, but he didn't even hold a candle to Sam Rockwell, who has already had an amazing award season. I adored Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water and wouldn't be disappointed at all if he took this award home. But my guess and my bet is Sam Rockwell. Music score. I hope that The Shape of Water wins in this category, and I think that it will. But wasn't John Williams back in the saddle for this Star Wars? He's always a big winner at the Oscars. Having not seen Phantom Thread or Dunkirk, I appreciated Billboard's use of score, but I still think The Shape of Water is a favorite here for its use of sound and music, particularly because the lead female character has a heightened sense of sound because she can't make sound. Through her, our own sense of sound is enhanced. I definitely think Shape of Water will steal this one. Track four, photography tips for group shots. Group shots can be quite challenging with many different personalities and energies coming together while having fun and talking and laughing. The key here, I think, is to really go for it and enhance that. I shot a wedding several months ago and instead of waiting for that perfect moment to get the shot, I dove into that confluence of energies and laughter and actually took quite chaotic group shots, enhancing the chaos rather than diminishing it. Perfectly arranged rows of people looking straight into the camera are for police lineups and school picture days. No offense to either of those. My photography tip for you for your Oscar parties and other upcoming celebrations is to look for those suggested connections, no matter how chaotic, and grab a slice of that. If you're using a phone to take the shot, you will be in luck from a focusing and wide-angle standpoint because most phones can focus easily and without much thought across a parallel plane of people, and the lenses in them make it always wide enough to center the photograph so that everyone is included. Within reason, but squishing together can create an energy all its own. If you're using a DSLR or film camera, there are a couple of other things to think about. Firstly, aperture. You're going to want to steer clear of using a much lower f-stop, numbers 1.2 to 7.1, and you're going to want to also avoid the highest numbers, f18 to f32. That leaves you somewhere in the middle of your lens range, approximately f8 to f13. This is because anything with too low a number will leave you too shallow a depth of field, and any little movement back and forth from the plane of focus will be out of focus. And remember, we want that energy and movement. So if that happens, entire people won't be in focus. Secondly, focusing itself. It's a good idea to use multiple point focus also, meaning don't use that single small square and focus on the person in the center of the frame, but rather use multiple points of focus. 
If your lens and camera have some sort of vibration reduction or anything that helps with movement, be sure to have that on also. Thirdly, if using a film camera, be sure to get a light meter reading. There are many free apps across every kind of phone operating system in a couple of different spots across the crowd, so you can use the average of the readings to estimate your exposure. On a DSLR, you might want to grab a light meter reading by halfway pressing your shutter on most bodies across several points in the crowd so that you can dial your exposure up or down also to suit your liking. More than anything else, have fun! Go toward the chaos and energy, not away from it, and you will take much better group shots. Track 5. An Occasional Salad Recipe When I first started the Photo Mixtapes podcast, I promised an occasional salad recipe because I knew that the standards of a spoken word performance of a new poem, photography tips, conversations and reviews, would surely take the lion's share of time and energy on the podcast. But I also did want to maintain some connection to my original blog of recipes and food as a metaphor for what else was going on. To that end, here it is, one of our occasional salad recipes as originally promised. I have fallen in love with making homemade falafel. I have been playing with a couple of different recipes and tweaking them to make them my own. But for today's recipe, the falafel part is actually a shortcut. Find a falafel recipe online that you like, or run to your favorite local falafel joint and grab some, either fried or baked, and ones with ingredients that suit you. Whole wheat flour or regular flour? Does it have a green like spinach? And what kind of seasoning? Of course, chickpeas and some sort of flour are the basics, but you can make one that falls into your other food choices, nutritional goals, and likes. Once you have made or picked up the falafel, it is really easy to want to pop them into a delicious fluffy pita and smother them with sauce. That's why this salad recipe might come in handy if you'd like something lighter and healthier. Into a large bowl of your favorite lettuce, I prefer spinach, toss in corn, black beans, cubed avocado, chopped red onion, chopped mixed peppers, then salt and pepper to taste. For the dressing, combine a light balsamic dressing of your choice and stir in a dollop of sour cream and squirt in some fresh lime juice. Stir until all ingredients are combined into a creamy dressing. Then cut up the falafel you prepared or brought prior into small cubes. Also, smash a couple of servings of your favorite pita chips into tiny bits. Toss both of those into the salad bowl and then pour in the dressing. Toss all of that together until the ingredients are blended well. And for your final step, add crumbled feta cheese onto the top. Don't toss again since the cheese will get soggy. Just be sure to have equal portions of cheese across all servings. I hope you enjoy the salad, and if you do end up making it, shoot me a photo of it or you and your peeps enjoying it. Preferably a joyful and chaotic group shot. Thank you, my audience, for making it through the entire episode this week. I had my podcast partner in misdemeanor, Ethan Jones, on my shoulder as I wrote for this episode, who very sweetly, each and every time I ask for what he thought of the podcast, says, I loved it, but I wanted more. I struggle to get used to the idea of putting more and more out into the universe, but I struggle with it in a joyful way. As always, you can reach out to me at heather at heatherpetropolis.com, and you can now check out the video accompaniments on YouTube on my YouTube channel, Heather Petropolis Photography. I'll see you there.
I am your host, Heather Petropoulos, recording live from my home studio in Brooklyn, New York, bringing you the Photo Mixtapes podcast. 